Hello everyone, this is Conservation Voices for the Primate Cast. I'm Cecil Sarabian. The release date for today's podcast is May the 9th, 2016. This is the first installment of a podcast series that will be conducted in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. So stay tuned. I'm right now talking out to you directly from Kinshasa, where I recently had the chance to meet with Jeff Dupin, Great Apes Conservationist, working for the African Wildlife Foundation. Hello, Jeff Dupin. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for accepting our interview here in Kinshasa. So you are the technical director of the African Wildlife Foundation, Central and Western Africa. And I was wondering, so you, you are quite a figure in great ape conservation today. So can you tell us how all of this started? Oh, all of this started at the University in Antwerp when I, in the 80s when I studied biology. In Belgium. In Belgium, uh, where I had the chance because of the collaboration between the Zoo of Antwerp and the University of Antwerp to do my master's on reintegration of a number of captive chimpanzees over there. So that's where my interest in chimpanzees and then chimpanzee conservation later on started. Now when the Zoo of Antwerp created this island for the bonobos, the Zoo of Antwerp is the stud bookkeeper of the bonobos, when they created this island, a very nice enclosure for the bonobo family in, 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 in the animal park of Plankendal, they absolutely wanted to do something for the bonobos in the wild. And they knew about my interest to get to Africa, get into the forest and do something for chimpanzees or bonobos or great apes. And so that's where I had a chance to go for the Zoo of Antwerp in 94, 1994, for the very first time to come to Kinshasa, travel to the Equator province, go to the Lomaco forest, and look for the bonobos. So that's how it started, 94. In a descriptive statement of yourself, I, I've read on the African Wildlife Foundation webpage, you say that AVF looks at sustainability ecologically, economically, and socially. Can you tell us how? Okay, yes, th- thanks for that question. And so that's why I like a lot working for the African Wildlife Foundation. African Wildlife Foundation, we are working in over 10 countries, headquarters in Nairobi. And the, the mission statement for, for AWF is to work with the African people for the sustainability, the longevity of wild lands and the wildlife on, on, on this continent. And when we look at that, we look at the ecology, of course, the ecological sustainability, but at the same time, we're very well aware that the, uh, the world is, is, devo- is evolving, no? and development is needed on this continent. So we're looking for ecological sustainability in a modern Africa that's economically also thriving and, and, and going well, considering at all times the needs of the African people who are depending on that development and on the ecology in which they're living. So that's why with AWF, those are the three things we will look. We look at the ecology, we look at the economics, and then, and then the, 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 social, the social aspect of the work we're doing. So which different projects are you involved in? Well, me, um, I started for AWF uh, in 2004 uh, for this program. The AWF won a bit to, from the USAID, Central African Regional Program for the Environment, to do this landscape program in Maringa, Lopori, Wamba, which is in the Equator province mm-hmm. around the Lomaco Forest, uh, which was focused on land use planning uh, in, in an area of 70,000 70, square kilometers. That went very well, that program. And it's based on, on that program now, on the lessons learned from, from, that, from that project, 
that I'm now responsible for African Wildlife Foundation to look into expansion into West and Central Africa. Where else can we apply the lessons learned from Maringa Lopoyamamba to contribute to this sustainability in, like I said, no, economic, ecological and, and, and for the people. At this moment we, are work, we continue working here in DRC in Maringa Lopoyamamba, 70,000 square kilometers. But two years ago I started the same kind of program, a bit different, but on the border with the Central African Republic, which is called the Biliwele Protected Area Complex, about 60,000 square kilometer, with a very important population of chimpanzees uh, living there, but also still with one of the one of the most important populations of elephants still living there. That's what we do here in DRC. We also started uh, two years ago, same kind of approach in Cameroon, but there around the Ja. Fomo Reserve, 5,000 square kilometer, World Heritage Site, chimpanzees, gorillas, forest elephants, and a lot of poaching happening. The Jafono Reserve. And we do exactly the same in Cameroon, also in the Campo Mam National Park. Gorillas, chimpanzees, elephants, uh, pressure from development programs around, whether this is mining, dam building, agro-industry, etc. Um, so there we also work in Cameroon. Those are the two programs in Cameroon and we are looking into involvement in Senegal also, that chimpanzee population living on the southeastern uh, border uh, between Senegal and Guinea. How is the work conducted on the ground? So you go to those places, you discuss with the local people, you conduct transects. I don't know, I've, I've heard of some of your uh, crazy walks into, into the forest, but so mm. concretely, how, how, how is it done? The, the approach I use in identification of places where we get involved with African Wildlife mm -hmm. Foundation is that now I do, I do first my, my desktop study. You know? I look in literature and I, I read and I try to understand who is doing what and where, and where are the needs, where are the threats. So it's my job to identify priority populations of apes on the continent and do a profiling of the area, do a mapping of who are the people already working there, get in touch with them and talk with them, talk with the government, talk with the conservationists, talk with the local NGO. And in the end, if people are interested to understand whether we can work together, then I go on site, the scoping. And then by visiting the field and, and discussing with the stakeholders, we try to identify, identifying, evaluating whether AWF can bring some added value on the table with the expertise we have. And then, and then we talk with the local stakeholders on how we, how we can contribute financially, but also, most important, technically, to the conservation achievements they try to get uh, done on the ground. So that's, that's how it basically works. So basically, each time we try to identify which expertise from AWF can contribute. Now, the expertise we have with AWF is we have, we have one direction which is focused on land and habitat conservation where we have a lot of expertise mainly in Eastern Africa in land deals with communities, with private sector, with government, etc. This is something that, that, that can help. My focus, my own, that's some, another director, Kathleen Fitzgerald, she's focusing on this. Uh, my focus at this moment is protected area management. It's improving uh, ecological monitoring, it's improving mainly anti-poaching. Because at this moment, it's the poaching is a major threat for the apes in Africa. So it's helping the authorities of a protected area or an NGO if you were, or the local community to use in a better way the new technologies to mitigate the threat from poaching. Uh, and the new technologies today is the use of CyberTracker and Smart, PDAs, handheld computers, so that protected area managers can do an adaptive ad hoc decision taking 
on, on how, they, how they try to stop uh, poaching in, in the area. Another expertise we have in AWF that we are very proud on is conservation enterprise. So once you have your protected area well managed, once you have the animals there, you have the wildlife there, can we help with the development of tourism? But not in, in a naive way, not thinking that if you build something, the tourists will come. No. Mm -hmm. We did a lot of mistakes with AWF when we helped development of tourism in Kenya, Tanzania, Zimbabwe, Zambia, etc. And it's from those lessons learned that we are ready now to help with the development of tourism elsewhere. Facilitate negotiation between the authority, the government, the local communities, mm -hmm. if they are involved, and the private sector. Because we strongly believe it's the private sector that will do tourism well. Yeah? But there need to be a, a fair and there need to be equity in the, benefit, the benefits from the tourism. So that's one thing we are very strong with, uh, with AWF also. And at this moment, as a result of the, the poaching crisis, the ivory trade, the rhino, mm -hmm. you know, the pet trade in, in gyms, Philippe Mouhouti, vice president of AWF also, he's much more looking in judicial training. Get sniffer dogs in airports, do judicial training, and so that the poachers that are arrested thanks to the new technologies, that's where I'm more involved, that they also get to court and be punished for what they're doing wrong. So those are a few other things. So what happens often is that when you go to the field, and it's, me myself, I was a scientist, bonobo researcher in the 90s. My, my biggest challenge at that time was that I, I could see the need for conservation to come in. Yeah? But as a scientist coming from a university and from the Zoo of Antwerp, I didn't have the, I didn't have the expertise or the tools to negotiate with the authorities, to negotiate with the communities, to do land deals, etc. So that's what, that's what we do with AWF now. So we're reaching out to researchers on the ground who are now turning into obliged conservationists, sometimes in fields that they do not have the expertise. And that's where we offer to bring that expertise on, on the table. So that the researcher can do his work and study the gorillas and the chimps or the bonobos or the elephants, whatever, and we can come in then to negotiate with the government, to improve, to strengthen the capacity of the, 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 the eco guards of the national park, uh, to start negotiating with the traditional chief about collaboration, etc. So that's more or less how, how it works. And that's going, at this moment, we are very proud the way it works in Billy. Northern DRC, the way it works in Lomaco, in the Maringa Lopohimama landscape, the way it works in, uh, in Ja, despite all the challenges, that's where, why we went to check on the walk through the Ja, uh, the, the way it works in Campo, and the way it seems to, to, to work, go, start working very soon in Senegal also. And we look at, and I, and I continue the, the scoping for the African Ape Initiative. Mm -hmm. I'm the director of the African Ape Initiative, which is part of the work that I do as a technical director for Western Central Africa. We have three strategic objectives. Number one is having a portfolio of sites that catches the diversity of apes in Africa. So the nine subspecies, the ecological diversity, to the extent we already know something about it, the genetic diversity, to the extent, because we are learning every day from the scientists, uh, cultural diversity, etc. So do a portfolio uh, of sites covering, uh, catching the diversity of apes on, on the continent. Uh, the apes we do not cover yet is the Cross River Gorilla, it's an Nigerian Cameroonian chimpanzee, and it's the Eastern Gorilla. But apart from that, uh, we have, um, the, for the other uh, subspecies, we have uh, the activities happening. Number two is facilitate networking amongst those who are doing the conservation, who are doing the research over there. So bring people together, 
from Campo, Giallo, Marco, Billy, Senegal, Vindefello, Nigeria, and bring them together. Because what we see very often is that people like me, we travel like all the time from one side to the other, but the people working on the sides themselves, they do not know what the others are doing. They can hear from me, I will tell them, yeah, in Lomaco we do it like this. That's not the best way. It's much more productive if you bring the people from Lomaco together with the conservationists from JA, together with the practitioner from Campo, and put them around the table and let them discuss amongst them. So that's the facilitation we're doing. And then the third strategic objective is uh, what I call the development of an African aid conservation tool package. So there are a number of things we're looking at and that, that I want to contribute to the development of those tools so that they can be used in a more effective way for conservation. If you ask me the tools that we're looking at now, yeah. uh, it's the Cybertrack is smart, the new technologies. How can this be used to do better anti-poaching? Because we think of drones or the Drones, it's the next step. Mm -hmm. In Billy, Billy is 50% more or less. Huh? It's like 50% for its transition from forest to savanna. And the northern band of the, of the Billy area on which we're focusing is savanna. With LRA movement, with sometimes rebel movement, not always the most safest areas to walk around as, as rangers on the ground. So there we are probably next year in partnership with the University of Maryland, and the University, University mm -hmm. researchers. We're going to try to set up the use of drones, but do an integration of cyber tracker and smart in the drones and see how far we can get. So it's the development of new tools. It's, not, it's, it's the innovative use of tools that exist. We don't develop the drone, but yeah. we want to use the drone in the best way. We don't develop the cyber tracker, we want to use cyber tracker and smart in the best way for improved management. So that's one of the tools. Another one I like a lot, and that's a special Janet Nakoni from the University of Maryland who is working on that, is do spatial modeling to identify uh, where there might be the priority population where you have to go and, and, and look at. With all the data that are now available in the APES database, Jan Markuel is also one of the guys who's working on this. And so that, that if you can contribute in one way or the other, I think it's very important work that, uh, the, that they are doing. So you come from a scientific background, you somehow decided to leave maybe an academic career and to mm. come more into conservation activism. So how do you think we can maybe reconcile um, scientists and conservation mm. activists? What are your perspectives on that? That's a very good question and I should show you uh, the AWF strategy vision for the continent over the next decennia. And in that vision, our CEO, Patrick Bergen, also states that we as an NGO, we are conservationists, but we have to bridge the gap between the conservationists and the gap. scientists. Yeah. There is a gap. And so what we, what we try to do, what I always try to do, is look for the researchers that can help learning us how to do better conservation. And so one of the initiatives I like that started uh, last year, that I like a lot is this creation of the African Primatological Consortium where it is, it is supported by, by the Japanese uh, researchers, Takeshi Furuichi, mm -hmm. Professor Matsuzawa and others, they are all, all, all involved in this. But the idea there is at least African primatologists bring them together and what I hope to do with our organization, with the African Wildlife Foundation, is bring the African ape conservation practitioners also on that table. So that if you have the APC conference, like in Kampala in December last year, that there are presentations from scientists 
ape scientists, conservation scientists, ape conservation scientists, and ape conservation practitioners from the field that they also present the work they do. And then we hope that there will be lessons learned and, 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 and partnerships between them. And this coming November, Jeff Dupin will be at the Primate Research Institute in Inuyama, Japan, for a two-week workshop bringing together African primatologists and African ape conservation practitioners to make them learn from each other. As for the last bit of this interview, I leave it out to Dupin's statement on empowering local conservationists in Africa. For me, the focus is on get these people out of isolation. You know, when I travel around, I see so many people working hard, trying to get somewhere, no? Mm -hmm. But they're still with a paper notebook and, and without a phone in the forest and there and with, with a very low salary and they are the ones that have to protect against well-organized, well-equipped poachers that have to hire us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's, 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 my, that's, my main, that's my main statement each time again and again. If we want to reach results, we have to create the environment for those people on the ground because there are a lot of Africans in those protected areas that are willing to take high risk for a better future of that forest and for themselves. You have been listening to The Primate Cast, a podcast series dedicated to the study and conservation of primates around the world. Brought to you by the Centre for International Collaboration and Advanced Studies in Primatology of the Primate Research Institute of Kyoto University. Visit us online at www.ciasp.pri.kyoto-u.ac.jp forward slash news forward slash podcasts and follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash the primatecast and on Twitter at the primatecast.